0: Welcome to the IC Made On Podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. Today we are in the At The Movies series, and we absolutely love this series. Unfortunately, this is the last week of the At The Move series. Yeah, so... It's sad, but it's exciting, so I thought if this is going to be the last week, man, we got to pick a good movie, like it's got to be epic, so I of course picked Star Wars, The Last Jedi, this is, obviously everyone knows what Star Wars is, it's been around uh, longer than me, it was actually, the first Star Wars movie came out in 1977, and so the franchise is still going strong, which is incredible, so. I picked an exciting movie and I thought, you know what, since we're going to do Star Wars and it is such a big movie, um, why don't we have some fun and do a Star Wars trivia game together? Is that okay? Can we have fun? Can we do some Star Wars trivia? I really want to test all of you uh, Star Wars fans and see how much you really know about Star Wars, okay? So let's go ahead and put the first question on the screen. This is it. It says, who cut off Anakin Skywalker's right arm with a lightsaber, okay? So, the, so don't listen, if you were here in the first two services, you better not say a word, okay? Don't cheat. Don't give them the answers. Um, but if you think that it was Darth Maul, A, raise your hand. Okay? What about B, Count Dooku? If you think it was Count Dooku, raise your hand. All right, few people, that's good. What about C, Darth Vader, if you think Darth Vader cut off Anakin Skywalker's right arm? Okay, and then D, anyone think it was General Grievous? No? Okay, put the answer on the screen. Let's see what the answer is. It was B, Count Dooku. Now listen, this one's tricky, okay? I got confused on this one as well. It wasn't Darth Vader that cut off Anakin Skywalker's arm. It was Darth Vader that cut off Luke Skywalker's arm. So I can understand how, you know, that one is a little confusing. All right, let's go to the next question. Here it is. In Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber was green. What color was it in the first two movies? Okay, If you think it was A, raise your hand. All right. Okay, we know that red is a bad guy's lightsaber, okay? We know that. What about B? Anyone think it was green? No? Okay. What about C? Anyone think it was purple? Okay. What about D, blue? Man, you guys are smart. Just, Just skip the answer. We already know the answer. Just go to the next question. You guys are too good for that one. It's okay. Next question. Okay, here's a good one. What was Princess Leia's last name? Was it Princess Leia Fisher? Anyone? Princess Leia Fisher? What about Princess Leia Organa? Anyone think it was Organa? Princess Leia Amidala? Amidala? <laughs> I don't know how to say it, guys. Anyone? A few people? Okay. What about Princess Leia Ancelis. Anyone think it was that one? I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I don't don't know how to say it. Okay, show us the answer. What is it? It's B. Organa. You guys are smart, man. You know you're Star Wars. Okay, let's go to the next question. Who is the only Jedi Sith character to use a lightsaber in the original Star Wars trilogy? So... Who was it? Not the only non-Jedi Sith character to use a lightsaber in the original Star Wars trilogy? Do you think it was A, Princess Leia? What about B, Han Solo? A lot of you think it was Han Solo. Okay, we'll see. What about C, Lando Carl, Calrissian? <laughs> okay, what about D, Boba Fett? Anybody for Boba Fett? Got one for Boba Fett. That's awesome. All right, let's see what the answer is. Yes, you guessed it. It was B, Han Solo. All right, I'm going to really get you on this last one, okay? This is a good one. And only real Star Wars fans know this answer, okay? Put the answer on the screen. I mean, not the answer, I'm sorry. The question, that would have been bad. How many fingers does Yoda have? Nah, this is a good question, isn't it? How many fingers does Yoda have? If you think Yoda has one finger, raise your hand. All right. If you think he's got two fingers, raise your hand. What about three fingers? Is anyone hungry for four fingers? That was a good one, wasn't it? Four fingers, anybody? No? Okay, put the answer on the screen. See, you guys are right. You guys are real Star Wars fans, all right? Now, this is my favorite question because all of the other questions, I just pulled off the internet, right? But then I saw this picture of Yoda and I thought that would be a good question. Could you guys show them this picture of Yoda? This is my favorite picture of Yoda. <laughs> Boom! There you go. Three fingers giving us the force fingers. Yoda's awesome. Yoda's probably my favorite character, I think, Um for some reason, you know, he died a long time ago, but somehow he just keeps coming back in all the movies. Um, but he is probably my favorite character. All right, anyways, I just wanted us to have fun for a minute. Um, but this movie is an awesome movie, man. And, and one of the characters in this movie, the one that we're talking about, it's Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And one of the most exciting characters we were anticipating to see was luke skywalker right because luke skywalker was a jedi way back in the day and we saw him in the original movies but now in this movie he is back and so if you were a star wars fan you had to be excited about seeing luke skywalker well if you've seen the movie then you know that in the beginning when we first meet him again he's kind of disappointing right We all know Luke Skywalker, he was like this this super awesome Jedi and he was the hero and he was always ready to to defeat the enemy and do whatever it took. But then we meet him in this movie and he is totally different, right? Now Luke Skywalker doesn't want to have anything to do with the force. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the Jedi religion. In fact, in order to kind of separate himself... He just ran away to this island far away where no one can find him. No one can reach him, right? He leaves everything he loves behind. This family, the, the Jedi, the Force, everything. He just, he just leaves it all behind. And so the big question that I had when I was watching the movie was why? What in the world caused Luke Skywalker, of all people, to give up, right? to run away and to hide? Well, the movie answers this question for us. So I want us to take a look at this first clip together.
1: Is it true? Did you try to murder him? Leave this island now! Stop! Stop! (laughs) Did you do it? Did you create Kylo Rey? It would bring destruction and pain and death at the end of everything I love because of what he will become. And for the briefest moment of pure instinct, I thought I could stop it. It passed like a fleeting shadow. And I was left with shame. And with consequence. And the last thing I saw were the eyes of a frightened boy whose master had failed him.
0: Now. All right, so in this clip, we figure out why Luke has run away to this island. So you saw him, he was having a flashback, and this was a time when he was actually training the, the main bad guy in this, in this movie, or one of the main bad guys in this movie, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is his nephew, and so he was training him to become a Jedi. And during his training, uh, Luke began to realize that he was being uh, consumed and taken by the dark side. And he felt like in this moment that that Kylo was already too far gone, that he had already gone too far toward the dark side. And so he, he thought in that moment that he should that he should finish it. And so he was actually going to murder Kylo Ren, his own apprentice. And so in that moment, he said it himself. He said he was filled with shame. And so because of the shame, he has now run away to this island. Why? Because, because he's, he's ashamed of what he's done. He feels like he turned Kylo to the dark side. And now he doesn't want to, you know, Luke doesn't want to have to face his family. He doesn't want to have to face the reality of what he's done. He feels like he's a failure, right? He failed uh, the Jedi. He failed the Force. He failed as a, uh, as a mentor. And so he's filled with shame and with guilt. And because of that, he doesn't want anyone to see him in that state. He doesn't want anyone to see him in his shame and in his guilt. And so he decides that he's going to run away and hide on this island where no one can find him and totally give up the ways of the Jedi. Well, I was thinking about that, and I'm going to be honest with you. I often find myself doing the same exact thing in my relationship with God. You know, I find myself in this, in this cycle and what happens is I sin, you know, I do something wrong, I do something I shouldn't do. I do something that I know is 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 not good for me. And then I am filled with shame. I feel bad about it. Usually after I've done it, just like just like Luke Skywalker, after that moment when I realize what I've done, I feel guilty. Right? I feel shameful. Well, then what happens is I actually try to hide from God because of my shame and and because of my guilt. Usually what I do is I I try to make myself busy. I ignore him, right? I I quit reading my Bible. I don't want to go, you know, read the the scriptures because I'm so filled with this shame and this guilt because of what I've done. I I try to ignore him. I don't want to pray. I don't want to spend time alone with him. Why? Because I know I'm going to have to face this thing that I've done. I know that I'm going to have to face my, my shame and face my guilt. And so what I do is I cut myself off and I try to ignore it. I try to ignore God. Well, then you actually, what ends up happening is you find yourself in this cycle over and over and over. So the cycle is, you sin? You feel shameful? you disconnect from God. And then, you know, eventually you find the, the courage and the strength and you get up and, you, and you, you start reading your Bible again, you start praying, you start having a relationship with God, you try to connect with Him again, and then what happens? You sin, you feel shame, and you disconnect from God. It's a cycle. We, we've all found ourselves in this cycle In fact, we're not the only ones who found ourselves in this cycle. This also happened in the book of Genesis to Adam and Eve, the very first people that were created who who sinned against God for the very first time. It says in the book of Genesis chapter 3, after they had done this, they had sinned and, and done what they knew was wrong. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from him among the trees. They hid from him. They found themselves now in a cycle. They sinned. They felt shame. So they disconnect from God. We find ourselves in a cycle. And the problem is, is that as long as we're in this cycle, things begin to happen. We begin to see consequences Okay, So the first thing that happens if we continue in this cycle, the first thing we do is we actually give an opportunity for the enemy to speak into our lives. In that moment, when you, when you decide, after you're feeling this shame and this guilt, you decide that you're going to disconnect from God, what you've really done is you've, you've made yourself vulnerable now to the enemy. Because when you turn away from God, you automatically, whether you want to or not, you're turning toward the enemy, and you make yourself vulnerable to him. In fact, to illustrate this, there's a clip in the movie um, where this actually takes place. So I want you to, to watch this clip with me.
1: The fleet. Order them
0: to stop firing. There's still time to take the fleet.
1: Then. It's time to let old things die. Snoke. Skywalker. The Sith. The Jedi. The Rebels. Let it all die. Rey. I want you to join me. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! Do you want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? Are you just hidden it away? You know the truth. Say it. Say it. They were nobody. They are filthy junk traders sold you off for drinking money. The dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. But not to me. Join me.
0: All right, so in this scene, uh, Rey, the girl there, she finds herself on the enemy's starship. She's with Kylo, and he is the bad guy in this movie. And Kylo, in an effort to try to steal her away from her destiny, he begins to speak lies over her, to her. He tells her that, you know, she came from nobody, so that makes her nobody. He says, you don't have a place in this story. In other words, you don't have a purpose. You don't, you don't have a destiny. That's what he's telling Ray in this scene. But that's also what the enemy will begin to tell you if you stay stuck in this cycle. So you sin, then you feel shameful. And now all of a sudden, the enemy begins to tell you things. He begins to lie to you. He tells you things just like, just like Kylo was saying. He tells us, hey, you're worthless. Do you see how you messed up? Do you see how, what the mistake that you made? That's because you're nobody. You don't have a purpose. There is no plan for you. You're hopeless. You're just going to keep doing this over and over and over again. The enemy wants to speak lies into your heart so that he can do what? So that he can destroy your life. Actually, so that he can do this next thing, and this is the second consequence. If we stay stuck in this cycle, then it will drive us even further away from the plan and purpose that God has for us. Listen, if you stay stuck in this cycle where you sin and you, you feel shameful and so you disconnect from God, as long as you're disconnected from God, you are not fulfilling your purpose. As long as you're disconnected from God, it is difficult to do what God has called you to do. Because now you're going in a different direction. You're not moving toward God, you're moving away from Him. And so if we're not careful and we stay stuck in this cycle, then the enemy is going to begin to lie to us to make us feel even more guilty, even more shameful. And then if, if we don't do something about it, we stay in that place and we let that shame and that guilt bury us, well, then the enemy has stopped us from doing what God has called us to do. In fact, this happens to Luke, and, and in this next scene, um, Luke has a mentor that is trying to help break him out of this cycle. So let's watch this third scene together.
1: So it is time. The Jedi ordered the end. Time it is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. for you to look past a pile of old books. Hmm? The sacred Jedi texts. Oh, where them have you? Well, page turners, they were not. Yes, 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 wisdom they held, but that library contained nothing that the girl Rey does not already possess. Hmm. Skywalker. Still looking to the horizon. Here, here, now. The need in front of your nose. Hmm. I was weak. Unwise. Lost Ben Solo. You did. Lose Ray. we must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. did my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned, strength, mastery, Hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also, yes, failure, most of all, the greatest teacher failure is.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I muted myself. Well, in this scene, we see that Luke is still struggling with his shame and with his guilt and, and with the decision that he made. And so Yoda is, is trying to remind him that, listen, you need to quit focusing on that and, and focus on the need that's right in front of you because Luke has a destiny. In this story, he has a purpose, And so Yoda's telling him, listen, quit looking at your shame and at your decision and and, and quit letting that bury you because you have a destiny. There's something you need to be doing. So you need to get your, your focus right. And if we're not careful, the same thing happens to us. We get in this cycle and all of a sudden that's all that we can think about. We're consumed by it. We let it distract us and by doing that we actually end up getting away from God's plan for us and doing what he's called us to do. So the question is how do we break out of this cycle? How do we break out of this cycle? Well, for us to answer that, we need to look at the Bible. So for the f- next few minutes, I'm going to be I'm going to be reading some scripture from a book called Hebrews. And I'm so excited because I know that this scripture is powerful. And if we, can, if we can listen to it and receive from it, it can actually change our lives. It can actually break us out of this cycle. So I'm gonna start in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm gonna go through this verse by verse so that we can really understand what the author is saying. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses... To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. In other words, he says, Listen, God has a path marked out for you. He's got a race that he wants you to run. He's got a purpose for you. He has a destiny. He has a destination, a place he wants you to go. And so the the author is saying in order to do that, you need to strip off everything that slows you down. And he says, especially the sin that so easily entangles us, it so easily traps us in a cycle right and when he says sin he's not just talking about the the sin that you did he's talking about everything that happens because of sin he's talking about sin and sin's consequences and that is shame and guilt you know you know shame is heavy if you, if you know what it's like to feel shameful, then you know that it's, it's, it's heavy. It kind of weighs you down. It's a, it's a burden. And so, so the author is saying, listen, you need to strip those things off of you so that you can run, so that you can do what God's called you to do, so you can get to where God's called you to get to. But he doesn't stop there. He tells us how to do this. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor before beside God's throne. So think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up. Man, I love this scripture. He says that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on him. In other words, just like Yoda was trying to get Luke to understand, you need to get your focus right. You need to quit focusing on the thing that you did And start focusing on Jesus and what he's called you to do. And he tells us to to set our eyes on Jesus. And so he says, you need to think about all of the hostility that he endured from sinful people. In other words, think about the sacrifice that he made. Jesus paid a price so that you could be forgiven. He paid a price so that you could be forgiven. And it wasn't cheap. It was quite expensive. He paid with his own life so that you could be forgiven. So the author is saying, why are you still looking at your sin when we know and we believe that Jesus has already paid for it? You're already forgiven. But that's just the first scripture. I want to read one more And this is in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. In other words, you can't hide from God. Even though, you know, when you sin and you mess up and you make this mistake, you get into this cycle and you try to ignore him, you try to hide from him, you can't really hide from God. You know, when I, when I heard this scripture growing up, and I heard it a lot, I was always, this scripture was always talked about in this context that they were trying to get me to not sin, Right? Maybe you know what I'm talking about. My, my family or whoever it be, they say, hey, don't you do this. Don't you do that because God's watching you, right? He's everywhere all the time. He sees everything you're doing, so you better not do that. And, and to be honest with you, that kind of made things worse because, because the truth is, is I'm going to sin. Now I just feel awkward, right? Now I feel even more shameful, Well, what's incredible is that actually that's not what this scripture is trying to do. That's not the context of this scripture. In fact, it gets even better. It says in verse 14, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This is talking about after you sin you need to realize that even though you try to hide from God and you try to ignore him, you can't. But the good news is you don't need to. He says, instead, you need to hold firmly to what you believe. What do we believe? As Christians, people that follow Jesus, there is one central belief that we all can agree on. It is the one thing that holds our faith together. It's the one thing that separates our faith from everyone else. We believe this, that Jesus was perfect and sinless, and he sacrificed his own life on the cross, was killed, was buried, but then rose again on the third day for what reason? So that you could be forgiven. So that you could be forgiven. We believe that, don't we? And so, what the author is saying is listen, I know you've messed up and you feel shameful and you wanna turn your back and try to hide from God, but you don't need to. You need to hold on to what you believe. In that moment when you're tempted to turn away from God and to cut yourself off from Him, you need to remember that you're already forgiven. In fact, it gets even better. In verse 15, he says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same things we do, all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin." In other words, God isn't shocked that you did what you did. You know, for us, sometimes we can feel so guilty because we think that what we did was so wrong. But, but God isn't shocked by it. He's not surprised by it. In fact, he understands, it says, Why? Because Jesus had to go through the same things we do. Now Jesus understands what it's like to be human. He understands how difficult it is for us. He understands that we're broken and that we're sinful. He gets it. It's not like he's a God up in heaven looking down on us and saying, man, I can't believe you would do that. Why would you do that? I told you not to do that. That's not what he's saying. No, Jesus is saying, hey, I get it. I understand. I, I've been there. I know what it's like to face that struggle, to be tempted by that sin. I understand. And then it gets really good in verse 16. He says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I'm going to ask someone from the worship team to come. I love this scripture. And the best way that I can think to help us understand it is using the example of a child. If you think about, you know when a child has done something wrong and they know it? They know they've done something wrong, right? And they have to face their parents and, and, and they know, they know that when they go in there and they got to face their parents, that there's going to be some punishment, right? They know they're about to get it. So, so what do they do when they walk into the room, you know, and they, they got to face their parents? You know, they kind of they come in like this. You know, they don't want to really look, you know. They don't want to see it coming. They know they're hanging their head in shame, right? Because they know that they've done wrong. So when they have to face their parents, that's exactly what they look like. They 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 kind of hang their head and they're you know, they act like they're sorry and But this scripture says that when we come into the presence of our God, we don't have to hang our head in shame. No, it says, "Let us come boldly to the throne." In other words, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you've come from or what you did in your past when you come into the presence of God, you don't have to hang your head in shame. You don't have to feel guilty. It says that you can come with boldness to God's throne. But then it says when you do that, that two things are gonna happen. Number one, you're gonna receive mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy... is God withholding something that you deserve? In this case, it's punishment, right? Mercy is is God not punishing you for something that you did. In other words, you're not getting what you deserve. Well, Well, how can he do that? Why would he do that? Well, because Jesus already accepted your punishment remember you've got to remember you're already forgiven so now when you come into the presence of God you don't have to be a child coming into the presence of your father expecting to be punished no you can walk in with your head held high knowing that the punishment has already been paid you're forgiven there's no place for shame or guilt in your life But that's not the only thing he does. Not only does he give us mercy, but he also gives us grace. What is grace? Grace is God giving you the ability to do what he's called you to do. Grace is giving you the chance to pick yourself up out of the dirt and move forward doing what God has called you to do. God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. And you know what? He thought it was so important. God God believes that your purpose is so important. When he looked through time, he realized, man, if I don't take care of their shame, if I don't take care of their guilt, they're never going to be able to do what I've called them to do. They're going to be too busy, busy. Burying themselves in the dirt that they're not going to be able to do what I've called them to do. So I've got to to take care of it. So listen, he already has forgiven you. Now you only have one thing left to do. Pick yourself up. Receive God's grace and move forward. In fact, I wrote this in the notes It says, there is no reason to walk in shame when Jesus paid for you to walk in freedom. There's no reason. Jesus paid a high price for your freedom. A high price. He paid with his life. So there is no reason that we should be walking in shame and in guilt. Man, that's good news. That is freedom. That's freedom. Being able to break out of this cycle, being free from the consequences of sin, being free from shame and from guilt. Now, I know what you're thinking, man, is that really true? Is it really true? Because I've done some pretty awful things in my life. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. The price that Jesus paid was enough for whatever it is you've done. It doesn't matter. So don't think for a second that whatever you've done or wherever you've been or, or however you've acted, don't think for a second that it's not forgiven. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice, it was enough. It's paid in full. There's no reason for us to walk in shame when Jesus already paid for your freedom. So, I want us to do something about this. I want us to break out of this cycle. And, and I want us to do that by actually, actually putting ourselves into a new cycle. There is another cycle, and, and, and it's a better one. It's a better cycle, okay? You don't, you don't have to stay stuck in that cycle of, of sin and shame and guilt and you don't have to stay there. There's, a, there's another cycle, and this is what I want us to do. Number one, remind. Remind yourself of God's word. Remind yourself of God's word. In fact, you can, if you, wanna, if you want the scriptures to go back to, then you can save this in the YouVersion Bible app. Save the live event, and then you can go back to it. Or you can just write them down. But listen, you need to remind yourself of God's word. In that moment, when you you have done something that you know you shouldn't have done, immediately you need to go back to the Bible and remind yourself of what it is that you believe. Why? Because if you don't, guess what? The enemy is right there waiting for you. And listen, if you don't put God's word into your heart, the enemy is going to put his word into your heart. And he's going to lie to you. And he's going to try and convince you that you're not forgiven and that you are worthless and that there is no hope. But that's not true. So the moment that you, that you make that mistake and, and you mess up and you fall, immediately you need to go back to God's word and start a new cycle. So number one, remind yourself of God's word. Number two, run. You need to run. And I don't mean run away from God like we we naturally want to do. I mean, you need to run toward God. But you don't just need to run toward him. You need to run toward him with confidence, with boldness, knowing that when you get into, yeah, I messed up and I made a mistake, but if I'll just run to God and get into his presence, I know that there is mercy and grace waiting for me at his feet. I know that I did something I shouldn't have done. But I know if I run toward God, I I don't expect punishment. No, Jesus already took care of that. I expect to receive mercy and grace. So you need to remind yourself of God's word. Then you need to run toward him with confidence, expecting to receive mercy and grace. And the third thing is, is you need to receive that grace. Sometimes this is the most difficult part. It's the most difficult part sometimes because you know what? You think to yourself, man, do I really deserve this? It's like taking something you know you don't deserve. And that's hard for us to understand. But that's how much God loves you. Paul said, "There's no way we could understand the love of God, but, but, but I want you to, to try and understand a little bit better how much God loves you. Listen, I know it's difficult to receive something you feel like you don't deserve, but the truth is is that God just loves you that much and wants to give it to you anyway. Because you've got a destiny. You have a purpose. God wants to see you do everything that he's called you to do. So we need to commit ourselves to a new cycle. Remind yourself of God's word. Run toward him with confidence and receive the grace that he wants so badly to give you.